You're listening to the Flip Houses Like a Girl podcast, where we educate, empower, and celebrate everyday women who are facing their fears, juggling family and business, embracing their awesomeness, and wholeheartedly chasing their dream of flipping houses. Each episode delivers honest-to-goodness tools, tips, and strategies you can implement today to get closer to your first or next successful house flip. Here's your spiky-haired, breakfast taco-loving host, house-flipping coach, Debbie DeBeery. Hey, how are you today? I hope that whatever you're up to, you're having an easy day. How about that? Let's all have an easy day. Um, Okay, so I'm going to share with you an interview that I just had with one of my flip sister students who just finished her first flip. Well, they just sold it recently. And it was a nine-month journey and lots of lessons learned. As every project is, there's always something new to learn, which is one of the reasons why I freaking love this business. And she'll share with you her two biggest takeaways and their big lessons. So stay tuned and listen. But first, I want to quickly do a listener shout out. Thank you so much for leaving reviews. It helps more like-minded women find this podcast. And it also lets me know that what I'm sharing with you actually resonates with you. Okay. And I appreciate it. So here's a review by Teresa Jane. She says, I just listen and listen and listen. I love the 15 second back forward button so I can say what and hear it again. Empowering and informative. I like Debbie a lot and her work is great. I can tell she has quite a heart. How refreshing. I love that review. Thank you so much. It made me laugh the whole what? Uh, I can totally relate. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. All right. Without further ado, Let's jump in and hear what Kelly Haas has to say about her first flip journey. Okay, let's start with, how about just like introducing yourself a little bit? Okay, Um, I'm Kelly Haas. We um, are in the Austin area. Um, We have three small kids. We decided several years ago that we wanted to get into real estate investing, but with two tiny babies that were close together and a toddler, this mama said, okay, babe, you're on your own, <laughs> figure it out. You can do whatever you want. So then as they got older, um, and I began to, to regain some, um, mental capacity for more things. Um, we started looking into and trying to find places where we could learn these things. So, uh, we got really big into bigger pockets and all of their podcasts and their books and all the things. And, um, then we were, we were in the Dallas area. And so about three years ago, we decided that we didn't want to stay in the Dallas area and really looked, okay, where do we want to go? And we're like, we really like central Texas, but we don't like San Antonio. Okay. Austin it is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so we moved down here about three and a half years ago and my husband was at the time he was working really hard to get into law enforcement. So we actually moved down here because he was accepted into this Texas state trooper Academy, which is in Austin. Yeah. And so we'd moved down here, not entirely specifically for that, but it was a deciding factor for timing. And so we came down here and it was probably, it was 
six or eight months before he finally started. So whenever he left for that and it was five days there, no communication. And then he'd get to go home on the weekends, more like 24 hours of a weekend. And so, but it was kind of like, okay, we, we had a lot of time to mentally prepare for that. And so it was okay. Um, but in the meantime, it was kind of like, we knew his chances of getting to stay in Austin were slim to none. We had just moved our family here. We had just purchased a house and we were like, I'm not leaving. So it was kind of like, okay, well then I guess his first duty station, wherever it ends up being, then it's going to just be long distance until he can get stationed here. So that was our plan initially. So during that, I said, okay, I have to do something. Yeah. Here I was part working part-time with three kids at home. Yeah. And I was like, I have to do something. So I started getting into all of that a little bit more, started building some relationships, with local realtors and stuff like that. And then super random had was looking for really was looking for like local festivals and stuff for a weekend. So I'm like, oh, okay, local events scrolling through. And I'm like, see this thing. And it was, um, uh, a women's women's get together. I can't remember the title, but it was the women's get together in Austin, yes. whatever month that was. And I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world? This is a thing. I was like, I'm going. And so then it just kind of snowballed from there for us. And so even my husband, he had searched for, he wanted to get into some sort of mentorship. We had gone to all of the free ARIA, the Austin real estate investor group (laughs) meetings that we could go to. Um, But the buy-in is out of, well, way out of what, I mean, we'd have to pull a second mortgage. (laughs) So we weren't going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so we were like, well, I mean, it's a great idea and all. And so he had been searching some sort of mentorship or something like that because it, it real estate's not a world that we come from. And so it's it's still just a fairly new thing for us. And so anyway, so when we found and met you, he was like, You're doing it. We're doing it together. <laughs> you're you're doing it. Like I this is what it. we're doing. Like this is awesome. I love it. So anyway, it just kind of rolled from there, but it was literally exactly the timing that we needed when we needed it, what we needed. And from there we got, we got two properties, 2020 kind of spun everything out of control, but here we are 2021. We're like, okay, back on our goals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you did just recently close on your first flip, the sale, right? Okay. So let's talk about that project. <laughs> and it's like, let's rehash. Um, uh-huh. and not to like, like dig a knife, but more like, yeah. you know what, you know what I love? This is what I love is, and, and it's so important that we don't lose sight of this. It's not about everything going perfectly and smoothly all the time because it's not going to. Yep. It's so much more about trusting yourself that whatever does come up, you'll be okay. Right. Yes. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll work your way through it. It will be okay. It might really suck like financially, yeah. emotionally, physically, it might all really suck, but ultimately you'll get through it. And so the fact that you're you are willing and (laughs) ready to do a second flip, even though the first one didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Like that's the whole point. So, all right. So kudos to you. 
Okay. So let's talk about, okay. When did you buy your first, let's talk about the, like the, the details, like when you bought it, what your reno budget was, the timeline, that sort of thing. Okay. So we started looking, um, it would have been like February of last year of 2020. And so we started, we, we really wanted to stay out of the Austin area completely. We had started on partnered on a flip with my parents and temple. Um, but it wasn't ours. We found it and presented it to them for them to fund it. And then they took off with it. So okay, we can't like, so we're like, well, we partnered on it, but they kind of took off with it okay. and basically hired my husband as their GC okay. is kind of how that one went down. So it was, that one was also a little squirrely and weird, but, um, it, it, we just let it go for the sake of family. We're so close with my parents that we were like, okay, they can do what they want. Awesome. How about it? Good for y'all. So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, anyway, we wanted to stay kind of in that part of the state, essentially out of the Metro areas. So we really like Lampasas. Um, but I have a lot of family there. My parents have a ranch out there, so it's familiar. Um, so we built a relationship with a realtor out there and, and told her kind of what we were doing. And she was bringing us a lot of, a lot of off-market properties even, which was interesting for her as a realtor, because she wouldn't have really made commission on our purchase of it. Just only if we listed it through her anyway. And so she brought us this one. It was an MLS listing, um, but it had been on the market for quite some time. Um, everything sits there for an average of about 45 days. Okay. And I think in the last year, that average has actually gone down to about 30 days. Okay. Um, but at the time, everything was sitting about 45 days. This house had been on the market for, I don't know, three or four months. They'd reduced the price a little bit, but not a whole lot. So we went in and we were like, okay, it needed a lot of work. They were still asking too much for what it was, you know, kind of thing. It was built in the fifties, the family living in it, his dad was the one that built it dad or granddad was the one that built the house. And then, so he grew up in the house and then him and his family were living there and they had young kids and they were trying to upgrade. and move. So we were like, okay, so this is, I mean, we had put in a ton of offers on houses that weren't accepted. So this was just another, right. what felt like low ball offer, but it was just based on our numbers and what we felt like needed to be done. And they countered our original offer was, I think 99 and they countered at 110 and said, this is as low as we go. What were they? We like? did the number. The list price was the original list price was like 159. Oh, dang. Uh, yeah. But then they had actually just come out of a contract. They had a buyer oh. buyer fell out because they were furloughed because of COVID oh, okay. just before closing. So their lender said dropped them. Yeah. So they lost them just before closing and they had already negotiated a deal of 130. Okay. We already knew that. So we kind of based it off of that a little bit like, okay, well, that's still too high, but so it wasn't still that much crazier than what their first buyer was. Um, so anyway, so we got it for 110. Um, original renovation budget was like 24. But at the time we were going to use a, um, a loan at a bank, like not a mortgage, just a portfolio loan. Yeah. And, um, we found this, a, a little bitty bank security bank out of temple that has like really fabulous portfolio loan. 
uh-huh. terms. Okay. So we were going to do that. So we had included like a thousand dollars a month for holding costs. And that was for the loan. And, um, that was also for like utilities yep. and even property taxes. Okay. So we kind of had all of that rolled in. Um, our original projected profit was like 20,000 with original ARV of 170. Uh-huh. All of those numbers changed. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the ARV, right. It's like, <laughs> Yes. Later. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so that played right. that helped us huge. Right. Honestly. Right. Right. It kept it changed. It helped changed it from losing money. Had we listed it the way everything went down, yes. had we gotten it finished that summer, like planned, right? To taking nine months, right? Right. Nine months, seven months to get it listed, nine months before we sold it. And so, um, yeah. I mean, the market just went up that much. So that played in our favor, but yeah, but so we, so we were going to do that, but we had a partner friend who he was a broker in the Austin area. And so now all he does is he's just a private lender for real estate deals is all he does. So we partnered with him. So he was going to be our down payment. Um, he was going to be a co-signer because we were supposed to show a certain amount in the bank, which we didn't have. So he said, you know what? I'll guarantee that. And they were like, awesome that's good enough. So then he was going to be a second lien holder, um, basically because he was guarantor and had put up money for the down payment. Um, he was also, he was going to provide the loan for the renovations. And then, um, instead of paying him a percentage because our projected original projected profit was still only 20, we, um, we were also asking for his help in a lot of things. So we worked out a deal where we were just going to split the profits at the end. Got it. Yeah. Yep. So then, um, the lender wanted all these things from him that he didn't want to do, which was weird. It wasn't anything out of weird, anything out of ordinary. I'm remembering this. I'm remembering this weird stuff. Yeah. And it was like, we, I mean, we already had the contract on the house and everything. And the lender was like, okay, I need this and this and this and this. He was going to be your guarantor. I need this and this and this. And he was, finally he called us and he was like, sorry, y'all, I can't do that. You know what? He's like, I'm just going to purchase the property. We're not going to use a lender. We'll still, that'll save us lender costs. And he was like, and y'all are okay with it. We'll just split the profits at the end. He was like, because, and so he wanted to go in and we, we purchased the property jointly. Okay. But it was all his money. Okay. So we had an agreed twenty four thousand for renovation. We were going to cover still the, um, like the the escrow and earnest money, which isn't much, but the escrow and the earnest money for the purchase and the utilities during the, you know, during and all of that. So he gave us an initial twenty thousand dollars, and then ghosted. That's right. <laughs> and we were like, okay. And so we thought, well, you know, it'll be okay when we run out, like then we'll come back to him. We thought, well, maybe he's just playing it safe, you know, just giving us a little out of time. And then three weeks into the project, we had started demo. Our original timeline was like eight to 12 weeks for, for renovation. And then we knew that it was going to sit on market for 45 days or so, plus a 45 to 30 day closing. So we figured four to six months for the entire project. So here we are at three weeks in and our partner who we didn't know at the time has a business partner. 
So the per- the property was purchased in my business entity's name and his business entity's name, but his business entity is two owners, which we were unaware of. Okay, that's fine, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Said partner shows up to the property to check it out. Cool. Okay. And then he says, well, all this and this and this and this needs to be done to the house also. Well, the bathrooms were nearly new. And the kitchen, we were doing pretty extensively, but we weren't gutting it. We were going to be able to keep the original cabinets because they were great. Get new doors, paint, stuff like that. And then unbeknownst to us, they came in um, but next week and demoed the whole kitchen and both bathrooms. And then we, my husband showed up for work and he's like, what is happening? Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're like we said this and this and this needs to be done. And he was like, it's not in the budget. Like you just doubled our budget. Right. Literally. It was bizarre. And then they disappeared again. We can get a hold of him for like two months. Oh my gosh. After they came in and demoed the freaking house. (laughs) They're like, okay, here you go. (gasps) Demo's done for you guys. You're welcome. Oh my gosh, Kelly. We were like, this is going to be some really good lemonade when we're done. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Okay, so they come in. That was the beginning of the project. And they demo everything without telling you. And then they disappear again. Uh Uh-huh. So by this time, we actually, my husband was like, like literally what is happening I can't get this done in the, in with the money that he gave us. I don't know what to do. So we actually quit working on the place for like four weeks. We didn't go back because it was trying to get a hold of them, trying to figure out what is going on. It's his money and he's the it's his money. He's the one that fronted it. We told him what the budget was and what was included in that budget, all the way down to the nitty-gritty yeah. cabinet costs and the countertops, you know, all of it. And um so we just quit working on it for like four weeks in that time. Um, in the beginning, we asked, we said, hey, we have this really great JV contract. It's a little bitty one page. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about our expectations. Let's sign this little contract. Um, so everybody's protected. And he was like, no, 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 no. We don't need to do that. He's like, I've never signed a JV contract. I don't need to. It'll be fine. And we said, okay. Yeah. So then here we are four weeks into the project and we're like, oh my God, had we signed that, that JV contract, we would have had some, a little bit more legal protection in that situation. Right. And yeah, some guidelines to go by. Like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but we felt like, you know, it, it turned into um, that helped increase the ARV and, and the list price, um, because it was better finish outs and stuff. It was more renovated, more things were new, um, and that kind of thing. But it was a perfect example of just over renovating Yeah, because right. the, the ROI on that wasn't right. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was a better profit yep. doing less renovation. Yeah. 
Yep. I get that. So that was one of our biggest lessons in that is don't, and you always hear that don't over renovate. Yeah. Right. It's, but it's, it's very hard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's my biggest struggle. (laughs) We still struggled because some of the things that I still wanted to put in the house, I was like, Ooh, I can't put those cabinets in. They're so cheap. And he's like, babe, it's a cheap house. I know it's so hard. I'm like, Oh, okay. I know. And then it was like, Oh, I don't like those ceiling fans. They're so crappy. And he's like, babe, it's a cheap house. (laughs) Yeah. It did end up getting a higher ARV, but the timeline helped too, because I wonder, like, I mean, it's all hypothetical, right? Like what would have happened if it had been done? But still the, the the biggest problem here is the people ghosting you. (laughs) And like, that's just a little weird, very weird. And they just showed back up and they were like, oh, here's some more money. Yeah, literally. He just all of a sudden called one day and said, he, he, he called asking for an update on the property. <laughs> so in that, okay. So that four weeks that we didn't work on it at all, he called, he finally called us back and was like, and asking for an update on the property. So my husband and him kind of had a little hash, kind of had to hash some things out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and essentially it was, it was a lot of it had to do with his business partner and was like, he was never supposed to be involved. Like that was never the agreement. And he's the one that came in and renovated or, and, and demoed all these things. Um, and so there was that. And so they, they hashed some things out and ultimately was like, I want you to understand not only have you increased our budget by literally double I mean, full double, because those are really expensive things to redo that we weren't going to be redoing. Um, But also our timeline has now quadrupled. And he's like, and especially at that point, that would have been like April. No, it wasn't April. This would have been May, May and June was when this was. Well, you couldn't even buy cabinets anywhere at that point. Oh yeah. Everything was shut down. Yeah. Right. Appliances were like two months behind. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Yes. So, um, he was like, and now because of everything being shut down with COVID and and delays and things already, um, he was like, now our timeline has been quadrupled. Oh my gosh. And so he was like, and and there were a lot of things that we were already planning to do ourselves like as sweat equity. Yeah. So we hired essentially my husband's company. My husband owns a renovation company. Right. Um, we hired his company to do the renovations, but then there were still things beyond that, that were just us personally, not either of our businesses paying for or doing got it as sweat equity. Um, so there was still those things, but he was like, I mean, he was like, even if I do all of it for free labor, he was like, our budget is still doubled. Right. And so anyway, so they kind of, after their little coming to Jesus (laughs) meeting, (laughs) he kind of understood a little bit more, went ahead and gave us the additional, but all he gave us, it was all he gave us. He was like, well, I can give you the rest of the 25,000. So $5,000 more of what we agreed upon. He was like, but that's all I can cover. And no, we like, your business partner came in and tr- destroyed everything. 
Oh, uh-huh. oh my God. Oh, it was so weird. So we were like, okay, well, luckily my husband's company was in a position to be like, okay, he could pay up his guys and stuff like that from his business. But it, it was still a disadvantage to his business because for subs, he has a markup. Sure. So he couldn't charge that markup at that point because you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, not really. Yeah. So he lost that. Um, and then there was a lot of nights and weekends. Oh, I'm sure out there. Oh, I'm, Oh my God. I mean, it sounds miserable. It just does. It kind of was. Yeah. Initially it was fun. Those nights and weekends were fun. Yeah. At first. Yeah. Before it turned into what it did. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's way that all of that was way more stress than it ever needed to be. And I just don't understand the lack of communication on their part. And, and on top of that, not acknowledging the lack of communication. Yes. (laughs) Like that would make me lose my mind because it drives me crazy. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. It drives me crazy and I'm a planner. So I couldn't. So last year it was like, I was already dealing with an eight-year-old that was going through some stuff with school, not in school. So now here I am with kids. I was furloughed from my job. And then my husband's work was fairly, I mean, slightly impacted at the very beginning of COVID. So we had all that. And then this, and it was just like, and I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> like mama's done <laughs> yeah, I've had my like, sufficiency thank you <laughs> this is it I'm I'm done with the year it's May well uh, it's May <laughs> you know the rest of the seven months can just go away <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh okay so he gave you five thousand dollars and y'all figured <laughs> it out like you, you figured we out did. how to handle the double budget Yes. Um, the labor materials, all that jazz. Good yes. grief. Um, yes. Was y'all split 50, 50 in the end? Um, no, no, but he wanted 10% of his investment would have, which would have been more like he would have gotten more than us splitting the splitting. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh. So that was part of why we, said, no, I can't give you 10% on investment because he was fronting so much because right. originally we had said, yeah, sure. 10% on investment. Whenever it was our down payment of sure. $10,000 or whatever yeah. it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 15, I think is what it was. Yeah. yeah. Versus 110 plus the 25 for the renovation. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and he was okay with that. He understood. He was like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, he then we were, we got to a point that my husband was like, I, he was already working there every single Saturday. We were there most Sundays. He was there. He would go there a lot of evenings after getting done with clients jobs. Um, but it was just, it was just him because he was like, I can't afford to pay for anybody's labor. So it's just me. So, um, it was very, very, very slow going for one person. Um, so it got to a point where our investor had called and was asking for an update. And this was like August or September and was like, why isn't the place done yet? And he's like, 
are you kidding me? And then, um, finally, all of a sudden one day he calls me and says, Hey, I've gathered up a group of guys. We're going to be there next weekend. And we're all working for like four straight days. And these guys are working for free. And he was like, make sure you've got flooring there. They're going to lay flooring. They're going to paint. They're going to put up trim. They're going to hang doors and hardware and stuff like that. And he's like, whatever we can do in those four days, they're going to work and they're going to help you out. So that was, that kind of helped get it nearly to the finish line. And then we spent like another month of hustling yeah, and got it finally through the finish line in November. So yeah, we all were just left with all of the stress, which is what's really infuriating to me. Yes. Infuriating. Um, yeah, you had to, okay. So would you partner with this person again? Only if it is truly a, I mean, honestly, we were able to work out our stuff. I say we, it was mostly my husband and him because they were friends prior to this. Mm-hmm. And they were really able to work out all their stuff. He actually, he's not much of an apologizer, but he actually semi-apologized. And, and but he admitted some faults was the big deal. He was like, you know what? I know I shouldn't, we sh- I should not have let, my partner come in and demo this stuff. I should not have, um, I should have helped you guys more or this or that, you know, and he kind of admitted some fault. So we appreciated that. Um, and then we really were worried that we were going to get pushback at closing, even of us splitting the 50 50, because it wasn't much to split. Right. I'm sure. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't a whole lot to split. Sure. Sure. And considering the amount of his investment and, um, so we were afraid that we were going to get a little pushback, but nothing. He was, it was fine and dandy and whatever and okay, do whatever. And he was easy at that point. Okay. Yeah. He saw his money. Coming so out. maybe, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe if it was truly a lender only situation and if we can only with a signed contract. Yeah. We would consider it. Yeah. Nine months later right? You from purchase mm-hmm. to closing those nine months. What, yeah. uh, what ended up being the profit? Um, so the total profit was, um, I had it written down right here. Total profit was 16,800. So we split that. So we each got 8,400. What was the sales price? So, sales price was 190. Okay. Nice. So it was 20 over original ARV. We originally listed it for 204, which was a little aggressive, but our realtor felt like if we listed it over 200, a lot of people in that area will, instead of when they have a budget, she said it's weird over there. They will look, okay, houses over 200,000 or houses over 250 or houses over 150 rather than the other way around. Interesting. Yeah. But they also mostly work as um, referrals from other agents. So people that are shopping in that area are primarily relying on their agents. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Rather than MLS and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, So it was almost 10% of your ARV was the profit. That's not terrible, especially for nine months. Like, (laughs) yes, that's what we thought too. It wasn't terrible considering. Right. No, it wasn't. Even though. Yeah. The nine months were terrible. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I know that was stressful and it doesn't, it feels like pennies when you were like, that was really stressful. Not being able to find yeah. your partner, not being able to find your money partner, not being able to communicate, uh, having yeah. to, um, you know, spend all your weekends and evenings working on this project by yourself. Um, like all of that is really stressful and it's not fun, man. This is, this should be fun. <laughs> exactly. And none of that sounds fun. It sounds fun for a minute and then it's not anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It was fun for the first two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> over it, that was enough fun. And then we were done. Yeah. <laughs> closing day was fun. <laughs> yeah. Closing day. Yes. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> um, okay. So when you went under contract, okay. Did you have to do any price reductions? Um, we did, we did a, so we listed it for 204 after a week. Um, we had had several people look at the home, but nobody wanted to submit an offer. So we went ahead and we reduced it to 199. So we reduced it by 5,000. Yeah. And then when we got our first contract, that's what it was listed for. Got it. Got it. But it was from somebody in the area that was doing a 1031 exchange. Uh-huh. So it was cash purchase. So, and just like we do started as low as he could go. And we basically were like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually we, and we literally took a solid week of negotiations back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth (laughs) to the point that it almost became comical. Um, but we met the, the guy that purchased the property. He purchased it for a cousin who's going to rent it from him or something like that. And, um, got to talking with him and he was like, man, that was the funnest negotiations I've ever done. He's like, my God, like a week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you went under contract. Now, were there any things that came up once you were under contract, any like repairs or like big, big ticket items, any surprises that came up while you were under contract that you had to handle? Actually, no. We, there were several things that we actually fully expected to come up and it was something that we decided, you know what, we had literally reached our peak with our renovation and it were things that were kind of like, maybe it'll be called out, maybe not, you know, maybe people are care, maybe they won't. So we left it Yep. and they actually elected to not have an inspection, which was weird. That's very weird after a week long negotiation. <laughs> I mean, that does not make sense. <laughs> the dude who does a week worth of negotiating definitely uh-huh. has an inspection. Yeah. That's so yeah. <laughs> he was like, and I think that's what he wanted. He still wanted lower. Like he wanted like 180 or 185, I think was actually like his top dollar. And so um we were like, no, 195. And he's, he came back and said, okay, fine, 190 and I won't do an inspection. And we were like, okay. But that was literally one of his negotiating things. It was weird, but okay. It worked out. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> we will argue. Thank you, good sir. Um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay. And then... So I guess your escrow, your closing escrow must have been pretty fast. Was it a fast closing or was um, it still 30? It oh. wasn't. That was the other thing 
he only wanted to put up a hundred dollars for his, um, his option. He wanted a 10 day option, but then he didn't even do an inspection. He walked the property himself. So that was it. Um, he said he felt like that was good enough. And we were like, okay, cool. (laughs) And then, um, he wanted a, it was like a 45, 50 day closing, but it was because he was waiting for the closing of the sale of his ranch for his 1031. I gotcha. So we understood that and we were like, yeah, 1031s are tricky because the timing has to be right. And especially in this kind of market where it is not fun to be a buyer and it's really hard to be a buyer. It's a, it's a tricky transaction to have to try to time and coordinate. So yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, well, that's awesome. Like I'm after all of that, I'm glad that you guys made a, a very respectable profit for that length of time. And that price point, like it was very respectable, but geez, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. And it's not bad. I mean, it pays back my husband's company for everything that he put into it. Our total renovation at the end was 45,000 <laughs> from 24. Oh, and we only got 25 right. or yeah, from 24. We only got 25 from our, so, you know, everything gets paid off and we have a net profit of eight, yeah. 84. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Good. With lessons Good. learned. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is there will always be lessons. And sometimes they're they're more yeah. fun than other lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what was your favorite part of the process? The design piece? Yeah, the design was fun. Honestly, I feel like my favorite part was finding the property uh-huh. and the whole process of purchasing uh-huh. the property. Interesting. And then the process of listing it and yes. selling it. Yeah. Like those were actually my favorite. Interesting. Parts. I love that. So yeah, it surprised me too, uh-huh. honestly. It's the, I told, I can totally get that. It's the excitement of the new project, right? Like, oh gosh. And what are we going to do with it? And what are the, like all these possibilities and look at the potential and, and then, so the listing it, it's my favorite listing. It is one of my favorite parts once it actually goes under contract, I actually hate the listing part because it makes me, I'm so anxious. It's like every time I'm like, am I going to be rejected? Right. It's like, I'm putting my heart out there. Mm -hmm. Are y'all going to reject my heart? Is anybody going to love it? Are you going to reject my heart? Are you going to be gentle? (laughs) Yes. Very vulnerable to me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I did feel a little of that, but mostly it was just, just exciting. I think. And maybe because it was our first time. And that long. I mean, I, I mean, at that point, yeah. it's like oh. just the elation of getting it on the market. It's like. Oh, yes. Geez. Being done with the Saturdays and the Sundays and the evenings and the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When you guys were starting out. What were you like thinking about, like going into your first flip? What was one of your biggest fears? Honestly. I think my biggest fear, and it literally, it was also a limiting belief because it also held me back a little bit and still does to a degree. Um, but it was literally this fear of getting into a project, 
that we didn't evaluate properly and losing everybody else's money. Like that was my biggest thing. I mean, it helped me back. Yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that. It doesn't really go away, which yeah, it doesn't really go away. I mean, it's stressful. Somebody absolutely, absolutely. Um, you, but you get more comfortable. Like you get used to it. You're like, okay, it's Mm -hmm. just that again. Like, it's just that voice again. Yeah. Um, I'm all like every time I'm under contract on a property, I'm like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? So I'm like, okay, let me do my checklist. And then I know I'm not missing anything, but then I'm like, but wait, what am I missing? What's not like, so it's constant. It's constant. And I think it's good. Like it means we care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to screw it up for anybody. No, we want to be good stewards of people's money for sure. Yes. Um, anything that we haven't touched on that you want to, um, you want people to hear or take away? Honestly, I think our biggest, biggest lesson was making sure that you always have a joint venture contract. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your parents, your best friend, your sister, like have a freaking contract. That's where we got burned with my parents. Um, because we went into it and, and the deal is, is with that, I feel like you're, you're also hashing out what everybody's expectations are because that's half the point of the contract. Yes. And so in that, then there's not the unmet expectations because that's what happened in Temple where we brought a deal, we asked them to fund it. And we had already been talking to them about this for months and, and how this could look because they'd gotten like this little bit of inheritance and money that they wanted to do that with. And so we'd literally been talking to them about how it could look like. And, and they had said repeatedly that they didn't want to be involved. I just want to put out my money and make some money back and blah, blah, blah. And okay, awesome. And then we find this property. And so then it was instead of, doing it as a deal where they were a lender and a lien holder on it, then it was just, we'll just purchase the property under us and we'll just make it easy. And so we said, okay, we also brought up the JV contract with them. And they said, they actually thought we were completely insane because, and they were offended because we are close family. And so, yeah, that was weird. And so, um, then expectations were never discussed. And that one was a major, major project. It was sinking into the ground. It had structural issues, had a pool that had to be filled, um, driveway that had to be taken out and relayed. And then it was a full gut to the studs with mold and the whole bit. Removal of AC that was totally redone and, and moved. The hot water heater was moved into another place. I mean, we're talking, it was a major project. Um, which was awesome. The numbers were great, but it was again, just those met unmet expectations. And so we went into it thinking, oh, okay, there are lenders. And then all of a sudden they started getting more involved. And then it was, what are you guys doing? What are you, why are you making these? Why did you already order floor without us? Why did you do this without us? And then it turned into, no, this is our project. What do you mean? And so we kind of were like, okay, yep. It's your project. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. I, I, and yeah. that's why I so, preach it so much because that was one of my biggest lessons too. It's freaking hard. It's freaking hard. Because it is it hard. Like, it is I think hard. it's though, there has to be a mindset shift around it. Instead of it being mm-hmm. um, like, 
it, it's, it is more about, and that's how I approach it now is it's more about, look, let's, let's be really clear on expectations. So everybody's happy at the end because we want to do this again, right? Like let's do this in a way that makes us want to do it again. So let's be really clear on expectations. I don't want to let you down. I know you don't want to let me down. And so I did have to have that mindset shift around it because initially I wasn't, and I wasn't using JV agreements and it was just like, you know, partnering with friends and they would be disappointed in a hundred percent return on their investment. Mm-hmm. And I'd be yeah. like, how yeah. are you disappointed in that? <laughs> you doubled your money. Like, what do you mean? But yeah, but it was a few of those. And then it's like, okay, let's get, let's just like salvage what we can and set it up to be successful. And it's just about being clear and you know, just like you said, setting expectations, yeah. it does help. Yeah. But I get that it's, yeah. it's one of those things that you have to go through. And you have to learn it on your own yeah. because we, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face. Right. And people, like people could tell me until I was blue in the, until they were blue in the face. And I'd be like, no, not until I go through it, maybe once or twice. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're out of that project. <laughs> um, I'm glad you made it out of that. And yeah, like I was so happy when I saw that post in the group. Like, because I noticed, of course, I noticed you weren't in the group very much. And I knew like, given that you worked in a salon, like I knew like your life was crazy. I knew that. (laughs) I was so happy to see that. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Do you have anything you want to share before we get off? I don't want to, I want to make sure you, you share everything you want to share. I think you just did by saying use the JV agreement people. Oh my gosh. Big one. Huge. You know, we learned a big lesson about, um, sweat equity and what it really should mean Mm. because we always had this mentality of, Oh yes. And sweat equity, that means your profit's bigger. Right. Mm. But we started doing that. And that was part of, that was built into our original renovation budget. And then whenever we were forced into so much sweat equity, that we realized, okay, hold on. We need to look at this differently because our time is still worth money. We would have made so much more money in the last nine months had my husband been doing all of this work for a client and charging appropriately than what we made on the end. So it's like, it's making sure that even if you know that you're going to have some sweat equity, that your the value of your time is built in either in your profit or on the front end because you have to make sure that you're paying yourself somewhere you know a few hours here and there of oh, okay i'm going to paint these three rooms or i'm just going to paint the cabinets and you know that kind of thing but whenever you start really thinking okay i'm going to do all of this i'm going to do all of this i'm going to do all of this sweet awesome that like cuts my budget you know so far down but if you're putting so much work into it, you've got to value yeah. your time somewhere. Totally makes sense. The sweat equity, it can't be zero. Yeah. yeah. Right. That makes perfect yeah. sense. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. How, what would you do differently around that? Um, we, in, in future pro- projects, like if, if there's anything that we decide that we don't want to include on the actual renovation budget, you know, like, okay, well, we'll, we'll put in that sweat equity. Well, we'll do that ourselves. We're not going to hire anybody for this. We're not going to 
pay you from our company to do that kind of thing. Um, it, it has to be counted at, at least on the back end. Got it. Built into our profits. Because if we're doing 15000 or $10,000 worth of sweat equity labor, but our profit's only going to be 8400 right. There's no net profit. We're actually negative. Yeah. So. Got it. You know, it, it's keeping that valuation appropriate. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you're always going to have some work that's just extra work on you. But if you're really going to take on all of the landscaping and I'm going to do all of the painting and I'm going to do all of the demo and, you know, those things that are usually pretty easy for all of us to do. I mean, and then you've spent a total of, you know, solid four weeks of solid time there. That's not zero, but you haven't built in that valuation. Mm. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. And I appreciate you saying that because I've, I've, I've never really heard it said that way, but it makes perfect sense. Um, Okay. Well, I can talk to you all day. I've enjoyed chatting with you. And I also know that you've got three kids that are ready for you and ready for your kids. (laughs) They're eerily quiet. They're doing a good job. They've been very good. They really Uh have. They've been very good. Um, Thank you for sharing your experience with us because I know it's going to inspire somebody somewhere to go do this thing. So thank you. I'm super grateful that you took the time to share with us. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fun. There you go. There's part of Kelly Haas's first flip journey. And if you noticed, it didn't go the way she planned. (laughs) Problems come up and you have to be okay with that. This is a problem solving business. And here's the thing, the ultimate thing, is she wants to do it again. That's the whole point of the first flip. Do it in a way that makes you want to do it again. And if you're sick of being on the sideline and not taking action because you're scared and you don't want to do this alone, you don't have to. All right, get on my wait list because the women inside my program, first of all, the community is unbeatable. The place is awesome, all right? I guarantee you, you've never experienced anything like it. Secondly, we are closing on deals left and right. We have so many first flips happening right now. Yes, in the middle of a pandemic, right now. And they're smart flips and they're doing good in their communities. If you want to be part of something really incredible, we would love to have you. If you resonate with my message, if you resonate with my vibe, I know that you're going to love the other women inside the community. All right, go to firstflipdoneright.com, get on the wait list, and you'll have first dibs on the next opening. Because I give so much personal attention to people inside my community, I don't let a ton of people join at once. So it's on a rolling, ongoing basis, all right? So put your name on that list. You will be notified within a week or two of your chance to join. All right, firstflipdoneright.com. Until next time, go out there, flip houses like a girl, leave people and places better than you find them, and make it a great day. Bye, y'all.